In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Jesus, Emmanuel, we believe that you are God with us. And we are waiting with anticipation to celebrate once again your birth. And we believe that you have special graces in store for us today. And special graces in store for us this Christmas. So we ask you today as we gather here to give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are open to receive your word, your blessing, your kindness and mercy. Mother Mary, we entrust ourselves in this time here together to your immaculate heart And we crown you the queen of our gathering here this morning as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Lucy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Holy Spirit, I just want to ask... I know I just closed my little prayer, but I just feel like asking the Holy Spirit to come in a new way to help us receive the word today that God has for us. I think God has a a word, so to speak, for each and every one of you, a unique, a personal word that he wants to speak to your heart. And it may not even be a word per se, as we often think of word but it could just be a communication of his presence, of his peace, of his love, his mercy, his tenderness, his goodness. So that's been something that I've been made more aware of recently, how sometimes we go to prayer and we're looking for an answer, (laughs) a word, clarity, and not that we shouldn't ask for those things. We can always ask for those things. But I feel like even more than that, at this time of year, when Jesus comes to us as a baby who can't speak, he's wanting to communicate so much more using nonverbal communication. And that, that's what the Holy Spirit does. You hear me say it all the time. It's the Holy Spirit's job. I, I say that jokingly, but it, I'm serious, right? The Holy Spirit is the one who communicates to us beyond words, beyond words, the presence of God and the goodness of God to help us have an experience of his presence that will be healing, that will allow our faith to be based not on some intellectual discourse, but on a personal experience. So that's how our faith really starts to take off. That's how our relationship with Jesus really starts to take off when we have these experiences of God that nobody could convince us of otherwise. So I'm not just hearing about someone else's experience and believing in that experience, but I'm having my own experience. It may not be like a St. Paul who got, you know, (laughs) blinded and thrown to the ground. It may not be like, I don't know, name any other saint, I suppose. But but God wants you to have your own experience. 
I think sometimes we read the experiences of the saints and we think, oh gosh, you know, that's, I'm not holy like they are. Well, how do you think they got holy? <laughs> By having experiences of God, right? So God wants us all to have our own experiences and it'll look and sound and feel different for all of you. So it doesn't really do any good to compare yourself with St. Lucy or Father Jason or Lisa Small or Anne-Marie, Mimi or anybody else, right? God wants you to have your own experience that will be unique. Because at the end of the day, we all have our own way of communicating. And only God really knows us that deeply, that personally. Even for those of you who have been married for decades, you know that there are some things your spouse just doesn't understand, right? <laughs> you probably don't have to be married for decades to figure that out, right? Probably after a couple days, right? Who is this knucklehead that I know? Right? God love him. God love him. So God, though, he knows. God knows you so personally and so intimately. And so that communication is so deep and, and so real. And, and that's, I think, what, what transforms us. As we, as we tune into that channel, because it, it takes effort for sure. It takes effort, right? It takes concentration. It takes moments like this to try to tune in to that channel. Remember the old radio dial, right? You know? <laughs> ah, if I could just get it just right, you know? So yeah, we gotta, we gotta tune in. But once we tune in and it's, it's clear, it's like, oh, that's awesome, you know? And, and God definitely wants to communicate to us clearly, lovingly, patiently, tenderly. So that's God. You know, that's the voice of God. God's voice and his communication is not harsh. It's not overbearing. It's not critical or shameful, but rather it's, it's inviting. And it's kind and it's, it's gentle. So what's been on my heart here this, this Advent season? I mean, it's a short one, right? I mean, we're less than two weeks away before Christmas. But in light of what we shared the other day here at Spa the Soul and Spa for the Soul and what, what I shared last night at Refuge, so pardon any repetition for those of you that were present at those, but I feel like many of you have grown up relating to God as Father. You've related to Jesus as Savior, perhaps as brother, perhaps as friend. But maybe what's been a little more elusive is relating to God as a divine bridegroom, as someone who actually pursues you in a passionate kind of way. And you don't have to be consecrated <laughs> for God to love you that way. We are all his bride, the church. You know, we speak about these things. We're human and we have to use our human experience so we use these metaphors. God loves me as a father. God loves me as a brother. He loves me as a friend. He loves me as a divine bridegroom. 
But it's so much more than that, too. Because in God, it's all one. In God, it's all one. So, you know, we use these relationships that, that we live and that we experience to help us. But we have to remember, too, whenever we're talking about God, you know, he's above all of that, right? He surpasses all of that in some way as well. So, yes, he encompasses that. But then at the same time, he he surpasses it. So it's even more than what we've experienced. So we we need his help then to, to try to experience that for ourselves in some way that becomes real for us. But certainly the relationships that we live here on earth as children, as siblings, as spouses and parents, all of those will help us for sure. Because God himself uses them all over the scriptures. And so the Song of Songs, which I I used here on on Saturday, uh, the Song of Songs is this love poem and and uses rather erotic language, if you will, at times. But it's meant to describe our relationship with God and his relationship with us and how he pursues us. And I know we look at the Christ child we look at baby Jesus, and we don't think about, at least, I don't, I don't know, at least my first thought is, is not that of baby Jesus pursuing me, because <laughs> he needs to be taken care of. He made himself so dependent, so needy. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. Please have a seat. I'm back. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so, so he makes himself so needy, and there's something to be said about that, too. However... He came down from heaven. You know, he he left the father's side, so to speak, to come to earth. And we all know the story. But I think it's safe to say that he was pursuing us in that. That he left the glory of heaven and he chose to come down to a stable. To be born in the midst of smelly animals, right? in that poverty, in that simplicity, in that rather solitude, if you will. But he wanted to go there. He wanted to go there. As you've heard me say, none of us got to choose how, when, or where we were born. We didn't get to choose our parents. But Jesus did. (laughs) Jesus got to choose his parents. He got to choose when. And, and where and, and how he was born. And look at how he chose. So again, without really saying anything, right? He said so much. And that's why I think it's so important that we take moments like this. Moments of silence that allow us to absorb what God is saying to us without saying anything at all per se. And that's contemplation. So you're all going to be contemplatives today on some level. When we, when we contemplate nature, what are we allowing nature to do? A sunrise, a sunset, the lake, the mountains. What are we allowing nature to do when we contemplate it? We're allowing it to impress itself upon our senses, right? Where our eyes are wide open. Maybe we're listening to the rushing water, or maybe we're just listening to the, the birds chirping in the morning when everything else is silent. We're listening 
you know, to the loon or the splashing water maybe, or the leaves rustling on a beautiful fall day. So our, our senses are wide open, so to speak, and, and we're allowing ourselves to be impressed by, by what we're experiencing. Well, contemplative prayer is, is a lot like that. But now we're going to turn to our interior senses, our conscience, our hearts, our emotions, our intuition, our very spirit. And we're just going to let God, as best we can, impress himself upon us with his word and also with this, this image and, and, and this scene, if you will, the scene of Bethlehem. And Reese got it on her sweater today. <laughs> right? And so we have our, we don't even have a crush scene right here, but we all have one, right? And we're very familiar with it. So it, it, it's important for us to, to contemplate that, to let it impress itself upon us so that we are impressed. <laughs> we should be impressed with Jesus and how he chose to be born. And how he, what does that say? What is, I'll tell you what it says to me. I mean, it says a lot, right? But I, one of the things it says, he's willing to meet us where we're at. No matter how poor, no matter how needy we might be. And on the surface here, nobody's really that in need. We don't reflect poverty here in a material sense. However, spiritually and emotionally, psychologically, you know, we're all so needy. We're all so dependent on God and on one another. We're all poor in spirit, at least if we're humble. And I know that's something that on some level we all resist because we've you know, we've all been raised with this idea that, you know, we should be independent and self-sufficient and, right, successful, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we all know we're all very vulnerable. We're all very fragile at the end of the day, right? All, we just have to think back to 2020, right? One little virus just seemed to throw the whole, turn the whole world upside down, right? That's fragility, or how we can all get a little bug and all of a sudden we're just, bleh, right? Can't function. So on the one hand, we are very resilient. And then on the other hand, we are very fragile. And so God meets us there. He wants to meet us there in our poverty, in our neediness. And he comes himself as a little one. He comes as a little one, a baby to meet us where we're at. And I was praying this morning here, you know, because the gospel today, I, I want to mention it right now because there's not enough time in mass, I don't think, to fully appreciate it. But today's gospel is one of my favorite, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Jesus said to the crowds, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. It's a promise. That's a promise. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. Another promise. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So modern day translation, what word could we put in there for yoke? Because I don't think any of us really use yokes anymore, right? How about the word expectation? Try that. Replacing yoke with expectation. Mm, Just kind of, whoa, right? So how, how heavy the expectation is that we tend to put on ourselves, that the world puts on you. Remember the old commercial that Brene Brown always references this, right? The, was it the Chanel? Uh, no, what was it? The, where I can fry it up in the bacon and fry it up <laughs> yeah. in the pan or whatever and yeah, yeah, yeah. never ever, you know, let him forget that he's a man or whatever, right? <laughs> So you all remember the commercial. Even I remember it. Because <laughs> so, I'm a woman, right? So like all those expectations that are placed on you, that those commercials placed on you, right? And that they continue to, it's even worse today with social media, right? Because now every image that gets shown is touched up in some way. Every image is touched up in some way. I should show you all that Dove commercial. I used to show this to middle school girls and high school girls. It's a Dove commercial. And uh, the woman comes in and it's fast. You know, this, the film is really high speed and they show how they make her up, this woman. And even after they make her up, they show how with Photoshop, they make her neck thinner and longer and you know, eyes bigger, right? And that's what appears on the billboard. That's what appeared on the billboard. Not only did they take all kinds of time to make her look good, but then they even, you know, artificially, so to speak, changed her appearance. But then that's what we see. And you can't help but compare yourself to that, which doesn't even really exist, right? So anyway. So it takes a lot of self-dominion not to allow yourself to be impressed by that. And then to believe that, oh, I should, I should look like that. Or I should behave like this or do that. Or... So that's the kind of abnegation, if you will. That's the kind of self-dominion that is helpful when it comes to cultivating our relationship with God. Because that, that kind of yoke, that burden, that expectation, that's not coming from God. Quite the contrary, right? So you could say it's an ungodly expectation. Ungodly. And I think we all live with a lot of ungodly expectations that we put on ourselves, that the world puts on us. So Jesus is coming to say, I'll take that. I'll take that away from you. You don't have to carry that. You don't have to walk around. You don't have to live with that burden. That's not my will for you. 
And, you know, the church has a lot of rules. I was praying about that this morning, too. The church has a lot of rules, for sure. But at the end of the day, Jesus comes to meet us where we're at. And he loves us right there where we're at. He doesn't say, well, you know, you, you really shouldn't be there, you know. Um, like, what's your problem, you know? <laughs> I don't remember reading that in the gospel, right? <laughs> and how often do we say, oh, I'll, I'll just offer it up, you know? I'll just offer it up. Tell me if you remember in the gospel any time when a woman approached Jesus and he turned to her and said, you know, just suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> Put your big girl pants on, please, you know? Did Jesus ever say that? No, you're laughing because we say it to ourselves, right? It just sounds so ridiculous. But we say that to ourselves and we say it to other people. You know, of course, yes, there's a time and a place to, to carry your cross. Absolutely. But when people approached Jesus, he didn't turn them away. He didn't increase the burden that they were carrying. He didn't make it harder on them. Right? The woman caught in adultery. The leper. You name it. The woman with the hemorrhage. You know, you've just been going to the wrong doctor. <laughs> woman with the hemorrhage. You know, if you would have only gone to that doctor, he would have helped you. You should have known better. Figure it out. Right? I mean, that just... Don't we say that to ourselves? Oh, I got to just figure it out. I just got to figure it out. I just got to fix it. You know, but we're, we're not problems to be fixed. You're not a broken faucet, right? But again, we can approach ourselves in that way. Oh, if I just fixed this about myself, then I would be more lovable. And Jesus says, no, no, you wouldn't be. <laughs> You're lovable just the way you are. You're perfectly lovable just the way you are. Is it the Johnny Legend song? If you know, right? I, I love you, you know, all your curves and all your edges, all your perfect imperfections, I think is how it goes, right? If you know the song, right? All of me loves all of you. Right? All of me loves all of you. All your curves and all your edges, all your perfect imperfections. It's a great line. It's a great line. It's true. Now, he's going to meet us where we're at. And sure, he, he knows the potential that's there for us to keep growing and keep maturing. You know, but he's not unreasonable. He's not unreasonable. So he's going to be patient. And there's something to be said for graduality. Graduality. So it's like, you know, if you brought somebody, to use a, a boy's example, right? You wouldn't bring a, a freshman boy into the, the weight room and put 300 pounds on the bench press and say, okay, try to, try to bench press that now, young man, you know? 
right? I never was able to bench press 300 pounds. And I, 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 was, I hated myself because of it, you know, even in college, right? So again, like, there's a graduality. And so no matter where you are on your walk with Jesus, he's, he's happy to be walking with you right where you're at. And he wants to keep walking with you. He wants to keep walking with you. He wants to keep showing you new things. And that's exciting. I think that's exciting. Because it's not about the rules then. It's not about, you know, what devotion do I have to pray now? And how many times do I have to say this? And how many times do I... It's not a formula. It's not a formula. Right? Our relationship with, with God should not be reduced to some recipe. Right? But it's an adventure. It's an adventure. God, what, what, what's going to happen today? You know, that's, I wake up now, I'm like, what is going to happen today? I have no idea. <laughs> but I know something really good is going to happen. Because I know you're going to show up. I mean, he's never not there, right? But we say that, right? God's really going to show up today. He's going to do something special today. Something beautiful. That's the expectation I have now. And it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be perhaps real pleasant. I got a phone call recently talking to some parents out of state, so it's nobody here, right? Someone from out of state, but just really having a hard time with their young adult son. Really a hard time. They even had to kick him out of the house and, oh, should we take him back? And what do we do? And Well, that's no fun, right? But I just try to listen and pray. Holy Spirit, come, you know, what? How can we help? How can we encourage? You know, and sometimes that's a real blessing for somebody. Pope Francis calls it the apostolate of the ear. <laughs> We all know how, how helpful it can be when we have somebody we can turn to that will just listen to us without, without having to opine every other word, right? The apostolate of the ear, right? So beautiful. So the Lord is always there to, to listen, to meet us where we're at, to receive us. To receive us. So he's, he's pursuing us. <laughs> he's the divine bridegroom who pursues us with passion. And yet at the same time, he's perfectly receptive. Again, it's, it's, it's God, right? Only God can do that the way he can. And again, he's, he's communicating without even using words at this time of year. He's communicating without even using words. The prophets speak about him, Isaiah especially, in our, in our first reading all throughout Advent, Isaiah the prophet is, is describing Jesus and what he will do, what the Messiah will do, what he'll bring about. And that's encouraging. That's, that's a hopeful message. And so that's something we can listen to. That no matter what is happening 
well, God is willing to be with me in that place. Like this, these parents I just described. Well, God's not on them. Like, well, you know, you really should have been better parents, you know. This is all your fault. Good luck. Figure it out. No, on the contrary, right? He's, he's right there, you know, suffering with them, suffering with them. And that's, you know, I, I said to him, like, be careful how we talk about God. Well, I guess God is allowing this. You've heard me say this, right? But it just, God's allowing this for some reason. I'm like, well, because when we say that, the, impl- the implication is, well, he could not be allowing it. He could not be allowing it. And that's not true. That's not how God is. Right? God is our father. And we are his children. And just like you can't force your kids, right, to behave a certain way, God can't force us to behave a certain way. That's how God chose to relate to us from the beginning. And from the beginning, we kind of messed it up, right? But he didn't change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when we say, oh, God's allowing it, it's God's will, be careful, right? Because then your, your idea of God can be this master of puppets. I was a Metallica fan, okay? <laughs> Right? Master of puppets. God is not a master of puppets, just controlling everybody. Oh, he could have done this. Oh, he could have done that. He's not random like that. He's not random like that. He's a loving father whose heart is breaking for this young adult boy. (laughs) Who's acting like an idiot, right? (laughs) We all act like idiots sometimes, right? I mean... God still loves us, and his heart is breaking for that boy. But to say, well, God's allowing it, well, he's allowing them to be free the way he created us all to be. And now his heart is breaking for that boy. Because, you know, again, there's no distance here between us and God. On the one hand, yes, God is completely other, and yet at the same time, he is right there with us. Sustaining us and giving us the strength and the hope that he's going to love us through this no matter what. That's where I look at the cross then. You know, so from the crib to the cross, from the crib to the cross, I mean, look at the crucifix there, right? That also says to me, I'm all in. I'm all in. Whatever it is, I'm going to keep loving. I'm going to keep loving. I'll never stop. So that's, and and as bad as that is, he's like, yeah, I can even rise from the dead after being crucified like this. Even I can, can redeem anything. I can save anything. As bad as it might look. And even if someone dies, I can still raise them up and I can save them.
So. I lost the recording somehow. Oh, no, I didn't. Okay, there it is. I'll leave it at that.